hope you're ready to keep talking about the name of God. Last week, we dove in. We dove in headfirst to the names of God as He reveals Himself in the Old Testament. And we talked about three names, and I want you to repeat them back to me as I say them so we make sure we're all on the same page. And uh, if you're hearing them for the first time, just, just speak it back. It'll be okay. The first name we looked at was the name that God revealed Himself in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says that God spoke everything into existence. And that Creator God, with all the power to speak something, everything out of nothing, His name was Elohim. 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 And every time in the Bible you read G-O-D, capital G-O-D, that is Elohim. And the second name that we talked about is probably my personal favorite, and I believe the name that God identifies Himself as holy through, and that is the name of Jehovah. Jehovah. In the Bible, we looked at Exodus, and we looked at where Moses is uh, in front of the burning bush, and God is speaking through, through that burning bush, present there on that holy ground, and Moses is given the task of going back to Egypt and, and rescuing his people, and he argues and says, God, Elohim, Elohim, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? And for the first time, God reveals himself by name as Jehovah. I am that I am. Go and tell them, God tells Moses. Go and tell them that I am that I am has sent you. I am that I am. We won't go through the complications of it, but it is, it's, can be translated into Yahweh, Jehovah. I am that I am. Yahweh, Jehovah. God was saying, Moses, go and tell them that I am God all by myself. And as God all by myself, I am that I am. They will know that I am God all by myself, but I am a God who is entering into their existence, entering into their dilemma, entering into rescue them and lead them out of Egypt. I am that I am Jehovah. And Moses, hearing these words, last week we looked at Moses' response to God, and for the first time, Moses calls God by the name of Adonai. Adonai. Every time you see in the Bible, capital G, lowercase o-d, God, it's Elohim. Every time you see in the Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jehovah, Yahweh. And every time you see in the Bible, capital L, lowercase o-r-d, that's Adonai, Master. And what I shared with you last week was that I, I, I prayed for us that we would spend this week going to God, going to His throne, speaking to Him and considering the power of God's name, going to Him as Elohim, as the strong Creator God, and going to Him as Jehovah, I am that I am, this relational Holy One that enters in out of His holiness to call us to Himself and interact with us as Jehovah. And we talked about if you are going to call God Elohim and you're going to call God Jehovah, then you must claim him as Adonai. There is no other way. If he is Elohim, strong creator God in your life, and he is Jehovah, I am that I am, then he will be your Adonai, your master. But church, tonight I want to share with you, I want to hone in on that name Jehovah. Jehovah. And I want to share with you that I believe that, that it's not more than just your prayer life that this affects. I believe that, that God wants you to know Him experientially, that God wants you to know Him personally, that God wants you to know that He wants to be participating in your life, that He wants to be master of your life, and that God has invited you to be in relationship with Him. 
When we look at the Bible, we see that God wants us to know him. We know this in no greater way than the Bible telling us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we see this wonderful example of God desiring to be with his people so much so that not only did he die for us and rise for us, but he lived for us and he experienced the pains that you and I feel and he experienced the sadness that you and I experienced. Remember the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It's the shortest, but it's one of the most powerful because it lets us know that God wants to experience life with you so deeply that he took on flesh and experienced the emotions that you experienced. He looked at his friend dead and in the grave and he wept real tears because he relates to who you are and what you are going through. God wants you to know him and to experience life with him. What I want you to know tonight is that when God revealed his name to the folks in the Old Testament, he did not do it by proclamation. In other words, he didn't stand to Moses or Abraham or, or Gideon or Joshua and say, I just want you to know I'm announcing my name is Jehovah Jireh. Zach, my name is Jehovah Nisi. Greg, my name is Jehovah Shalom. He didn't announce it by proclamation. He showed it by experiences in crises. God revealed himself to a people that needed him in that moment as that name. It matters. It matters. You see, it's the, the difference of if I were to come to you and, Mr. Witt, you had broken your leg, and I come to you and I say, uh, hey, Mr. Witt, I, I'm Dr. Draper. Nice to meet you. And I walk away. You're in deep trouble either way, my friend. <laughs> if that's all that happens, then Mr. Witt, the next time he sees me, if he's going to respect me, he's going to probably call me by the name that I gave him, Dr. Draper. But that's not what God did. God went to the man with the broken leg. If this were the illustration, he went to the person with the broken leg and he set the leg and he healed the leg and he wrapped the leg and he placed it in a cast and he cared for Mr. Witt in the days ahead and he made sure he was pain free as much as possible and he made sure the leg healed itself correctly and over time, as Mr. Witt learned who this person was, he came to, to assume that's a doctor. That's a doctor. Then God would say, I am doctor. He didn't give his name by proclamation. He gave it by experience. He entered into the lives of humanity and he showed them, I am God, your provider. I am God, your healer. I am God, your banner. I am God, your peace. He showed them in the situation that they were in. And I don't know about you, but I, there are times in my life where I need to know God's name in the, in the experience that I am in. I need him to enter in and not just tell me I'm Jehovah Jireh, but Lord, provide for me. Not just say I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm, not, I'm the healer, but I need God, I need you to heal me. I need it to be personal. I, I need you to fix this issue. I need you to step in in my trouble where there is no peace. Make peace. God, show me your name by who you are. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God wants to do that in your life. He doesn't want you to just shout a name back at him. He wants you to know, I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your banner. I am your peace. Jehovah. 
I want to invite you tonight to go on a journey with me as God has revealed these names to his people. We are going to, I pray, experience those names. And so if you have your Bible, whether in in book form or in the phone, it doesn't really matter. If you want to journey with me, you can. If not, I'm going to read it out loud, so it's okay. But the first place we're going tonight is Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now, as we read this together, I want to remind you that Moses was given the name Jehovah in the book of Exodus is when we reach it on the timeline. However, who wrote the Pentateuch? Moses. So Genesis being written by Moses, Moses was able to go back into Genesis and write Jehovah's name and write the experience as it, as it was, as God reveals that to him by the Holy Spirit. So in Genesis chapter 2, we see our first name we're going to consider tonight. If you want to see how it's spelled, it's Jehovah Jireh. I hope I'm pointing to the right one. Praise God. Genesis 22, beginning with verse number 9. You should be familiar with this story, perhaps. This is where Abraham has been asked to take his son Isaac up the mountain and to sacrifice his promised son, And Moses, understanding that God is going to provide for him, that God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way, verse 9 begins by saying this. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and if you were Abraham in this moment, you are desperate to hear that voice. His knife is coming down, and if you're Isaac, I'm sure you're thinking, this is it. My dad's gone crazy. But the voice of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, I do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What's so beautiful about the name of Jehovah is Jehovah is I am that I am. I am God all by myself. But when he attaches these names, these relations to Jehovah, it is God saying, this is the name I identify myself to you by when I want you to interact with it. This is the name where we're going to be in relationship, and I don't know about you, but relationship takes two people. This is the name you're not only going to know me by, but this is how you're going to experience me, and it's going to take you coming to me as that name. So the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, because you have brought your son Isaac, because you have provided what I asked to me, I have seen your faith. And seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me, and Abraham lifted up his eyes, verse 13, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram. Caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, God will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah 
Jireh, the Lord will provide. It literally means God, my provider, God who gives provision, God who makes the way where there is no way, God who gives provision. And Abraham is saying, in this place, God, I have entered into covenant with you and I have provided my son for you. And in that example of faith, I now know, I knew before I ever got up the mountain or I wouldn't have come, God, you are my provider and you're going to make a way where there is no way. You are my provider and you're going to make a way where there was no way. That ram in the thicket, it foreshadows all that is to come, right? We think of it and we think God has has offered once again in Jesus Christ, the lamb in our stead. That blood sacrifice where we owed it, God has given it, provided for us in Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I don't know about you tonight, but maybe you're in a position where you need to know, God, Where's the help coming from? It could be financial. It could be a struggle in your relationship, in your family, in your friends. It could be a job. God, where's the provision coming from? And I want to encourage you tonight that God was testing Abraham. He was asking Abraham to come and do what God had asked to show him that he would provide. And I'm not telling you that God is making some exchange with you, but I I do believe when he's revealing himself as Jehovah to you, he is asking you to meet him as Jehovah Jireh. He is asking you to enter into relationship with him, to, to know that he will provide for you. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where God was asking me to do something. And if I had just been obedient, if I had just listened to him, if I had just just leaned on him instead of others or instead of something else or going my own way, God never ceased being Jehovah Jireh. I just wasn't coming to my provider. And too often we get in that situation and we go, God, where's my provision? God, why do I like this? God, why do I like that? God, why do I need this? And the whole time God's saying, I just need you to come to me, your provider. If you're going to call me Jehovah Jireh, my provider, then I've got to be your provider. You've got to come to me for provision. I never stopped providing. You didn't come to me for the provision. Jehovah Jireh, God, you are my provider. Is he your provider tonight? Turn with me now to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. I want to be fully honest with you tonight. Uh, My notes, if you were to look at these, I I gave the intro and the conclusion. I don't do much notes, but I'll tell you this. I I put the verse and I put the name on the names, and uh, we're going to see where the Lord takes us. And I did it on purpose. I want us to read these stories together. I want you to, to hear them, and I want you to see that God, this is how he interacted with his people, and I want you to consider tonight. Listen, God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Even as I just said this from Genesis to you, and I said, I, I almost, the words almost came out of my mouth. Listen, you might not be sacrificing your child, but God will provide. And I want to tell you, listen, I hope you don't have to try to uh, sacrifice your child, but God hasn't changed, and he's no less grand. He's no less magnificent. He's no less uh, the, this, a majestic God. He's no less able to provide for you when you're short five bucks on a bill than he is when you are feeling like you have to sacrifice your child. There is no limit to what God can do in his provision for you. If he can give the ram in the thicket, then he can give whatever it is you need tonight. But you have to do it his way and go to him. Exodus chapter 15, 
If we fast forward through time, Moses last week was at this burning bush and quite a, a, a significant amount of time has passed and now Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt and they've gone across the Red Sea that God has parted. Exodus 15, verse number 22 is where we will begin. I want you to keep in mind as we read this that the people of Israel have witnessed plagues upon Egypt. They've witnessed the firstborn son of, of every Egyptian die. They've witnessed all kinds of plagues that the, the children's church last week, they, they did it with candy. I promise you, it wasn't anything like candy. There was nothing sweet about it or enjoyable about it. It was a great lesson for the kids, but it was terrible to witness. And these people have now seen God literally part a sea in front of their very eyes and lead them out of slavery. What do you think they did next? Verse 22, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They're in the, the wilderness now. They've been led out of slavery. Now they're in the wilderness and they're in the season of, of having to search for food and having to search for water. And then three days in the wilderness, they found no water. Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitter. The water was bitter. Uh, these people, they've been rescued by God from Egypt. God has shown that he is, in fact, Jehovah Jireh. He's their provider. He has made a way where there was no way. They've escaped slavery. They've gone across a sea that's been parted on their behalf, and now they've gotten into a position where they're, they're thirsty, they're hungry, they're tired. And the Bible says that they taste this water, and it's, it's bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses. I'll tell you, one of the things that I have learned, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it, I am, but one of the things I've learned in working in ministry and police work is it really doesn't matter what job you're in, what place you're in, you get a, you get a group of people around long enough, there's going to be some grumbling. You could even, they could be fed and well watered, but if the food stays the same for too long or it's not up to their liking, uh, you get people around long enough, there's going to be some grumbling. Here are these people that have been rescued from Egypt, literally led across dry ground where there once was a sea, and they tasted bitter water, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to Jehovah, to the Lord, and Jehovah, the Lord, showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Church, what do we learn from that? We learn that God's ways of water purification, His ways of solving your problem are not going to be the normal way sometimes. But we trust Him to be our provider. And there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there He tested them. Again, Jehovah, the God of relationship, He's asking you not only to know I am that I am, but to know that He is entering into covenant with you. He expects you to be a part of that relationship. And so He tested them, verse 26, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of Jehovah, your God, Elohim, and do that which is right in His eyes, and give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, Jehovah, your healer, Rafi. Amen, indeed. I am Jehovah Rafi, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Church, maybe this is the one that's most special to me. I don't know about you. But in my life, at least most often, it's been the healer that I've needed. Whether it's a family member, a child, myself, 
I needed to know Jehovah Rapha, God, my healer. Moses and the Israelites get to the water and they're grumbling and they're complaining and the water is bitter and God shows them that he is indeed God and Moses throws the log into the water and the water doesn't just become drinkable, it becomes sweet. And as they experience this, God says, listen, if you will obey my commands, if you will be obedient to me, if you will follow my statutes, then I will be God, your healer. I will heal you of your brokenness, what everyone else will experience. And I want to tell you tonight, church, I believe that God is still healing. I believe in divine healing. I believe that God wants to heal you. I've even stopped this year. I felt God just convict me of every time we pray, and and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but we say, God, if you're willing, heal me. Can I just tell you tonight that he is Jehovah Rapha? God, our healer. He's not God, our healer, when he wants to be. He's not God, our healer, when we've got enough faith in him. He's not God, our healer, when he feels like it. He's not God, our healer, in certain circumstances. He is, by name, Jehovah Rapha. And when you look at the Bible every single time, first of all, in order to throw out divine healing, we've got to throw out Scripture. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you you believe that you pray to a God who does not heal today, then you are ignoring the Word of God. If your loved one is sick and you say you follow Jesus and you won't lay your hands on them and pray for healing, you're not following the Word of God. He is Jehovah Rapha. That's who he is. And hear me out. Listen, I can't, cannot tell you. I have laid hands on my, my wife and I have prayed that the baby in her womb would come back to life and believe that God could do it and not gotten the answer that I wanted to hear. But I'm here to tell you that God's still healed. Amen. Because when I laid hands on my wife, God intended to heal that baby's soul. God received that child into his arms. The first thing that kid ever saw was Jesus. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I've tried to change it in my own self. When we pray for folks and not say God willing because this is who he is, he's willing to heal you. He's willing to heal you. He may not heal the cancer or the broken leg or or bring the dead back to life in that circumstance, though he can. But I can promise you, you have never prayed for a single soul that was sick or injured. Not a single one that God did not intend to heal their soul. You have never prayed for healing for someone that God did not want to heal their heart. And if the worst should happen by earthly standards and they should pass away, if they were healed in their heart, they are healed. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. But I want to tell you tonight that it has not changed that God has asked us. He has freed us by his grace and only by his grace. It is by faith that we have been saved and not by work so that none should boast. But when God invited you to be saved by Jesus Christ, he invited you into a relationship of holiness. He invited you to come to him the same way the Israelites were given this blessing of a test. If you will follow my commands, I will be your healer. In the same way God extends to you, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Not be perfect, but if you love me, you're going to want to please me. And if you please me, if you want to please me, if you're in relationship with me, if you love me, I am your healer, Jehovah Rapha. Do you know him as your healer tonight? I know you can say the word. I'm assuming it's this one. 
Aha. Look, you can say the word back to me right now, and I encourage you, listen, go home tonight. If you need healing in your body or in your mind, emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually, I encourage you to go home, and I want you to call out the way Moses did to this name. Jehovah Rapha, my healer, I need you. But I want to encourage you to not just know a name and call it out. I want you to know God as your healer. That when you are sick, before you ever think, I, I love, I have found a doctor. Y'all be happy to hear this. I found a doctor that I, I, I really do. I just, I, I love to go to this doctor. She's good to me. She, she appreciates my fear of doctors. But I'm telling you that if you know God as Jehovah Rapha, then your mind, your heart should automatically go when you are sick or someone is sick before you even think to call the doctor to cry out to him. I've been in church where, uh, the church I grew up in, and it's one of the things I love about them, uh, but I've been in church where somebody was sick and they were real sick, having seizures, and mama may remember, but I remember the, the church was just as quick to pray as they were to call 911. I can honestly tell you one didn't come before the other. It was pray, call 911, because they knew Jehovah Rapha. Is he your healer tonight? I want to invite you to turn two chapters over to chapter 17 of Exodus. Exodus chapter 17, beginning with verse number 8. As we fast forward through time, they've wandered through the wilderness for a, a series of time, and they've come to a, to a place, the place of the Amalekites. And there's a battle that's about to take place. Now, this is the one I want you to know. It's Jehovah Nissi. I want you to call this name out when you need God to fight your battles. Exodus chapter 17, beginning with verse number 8. The Bible says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, this new up-and-coming military leader, Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. In other words, Moses says, listen, I'm going to stand here. You go lead the battle. I'm going to stand here with the staff of God so that as you fight, they know you fight in the name of God. I'm going to stand here with the staff that God has given so they will know that God it leads us in this battle. So Joshua did as Moses told him, verse 10, and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, don't mind my sweat stains. Whenever Moses held up his hand with the staff, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on the stone with his hand on the staff, lifting it up so that all may know that God is fighting that battle. And he sat on the rock, and while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Imagine this. Moses, representing God with the staff in his hand, he's standing there as Joshua goes into battle. And every time Moses gets a little tired, I don't know about you, I, remember, I think of police work. When I was in the police academy, they made us all when we were bad. I say bad lightly because really it could be anything. When we were being punished, they would have us hold our water bottles up like this on our heads and we would have to go to the side of the room and sit on the wall like this and hold them up like this. And, and as you got tired, it, your hands just wouldn't work anymore. Your arms turned to jello, your back was hurting. And the funny part for them was the water bottle would just go everywhere. 
And the idea was over time they'd have half of us hold the water bottle up and half of us would support the others and they were trying to teach us teamwork that you, you better go over and help your partner hold their water bottle up. So imagine Moses until the sun went down, there's battle going on. And every time his arm is raised and he has the staff and his arms are raised and every time they're raised, Israel's winning. And every time his arms go down, Israel's losing. And as you're witnessing this battle go on and on and on, just imagine the Amalekites, they are looking at what is happening and they are realizing themselves that when the staff of God is raised, they're going to get their butts whooped. But when it goes down, they have a chance to win. And the, the folks around Moses realizing this, they, they go and they lift Moses' arms for him and they sit him on a rock and they realize that we're only going to win this battle if God is representing us. This is the context as we read this. It says, Joshua, was overwhelmed. Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and he called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I can't say a single one of these names is more important than the other for you tonight. Maybe you have an experience where you need to hear one more than the other, but I can tell you this, the church needs to know this name. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Let me tell you why. Around you right now, even as you sit here, there is a war that is going on. There is a war that is going on, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure which is worse for us, that we not know that it's going on, or that we fight it by other means. I'm not sure which one is worse, but I'm here to tell you tonight that there is a war going on around you, and it is not, whether it feels like it in the moment or not, it is not against people. That person that badmouthed you this week, it is not against them. That person that doesn't like you, it's not against them. That family member that's riled up your nerves all week, it's not them. That job that has let you down or let you go or, or upset you, it's not them. Those that don't know Jesus yet, it's not even them. There's a war going on around you, and it is against powers that you cannot even see in the physical realm. It is against the, the enemy who is Satan. It is against this, this spiritual warfare that is going on around you, taking place every day of your life. And I just want to tell you tonight that Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is your banner, that if you are fighting by any other way than by him, your hands are down, and you can feel like you are winning all you want, but I promise you're losing. The Lord is my banner. Banners are visible things when they would go into war. Now, it makes less sense today, but when they would go into war, the, the banner would let them know who they represent, who's leading this charge, who is, who is the head of this battle. And, and I'm telling you, the world needs to know that God is your banner. What are you known by? What are you known by? I talked to a gentleman this morning, and we were talking, and, and he, I said, you know, listen, uh, every time I talk to you, there's, there's a complaint. And I told him, I, as lovingly as I could, I said to you, every time we talk, it's negative. It's what you're becoming, you're starting to be known by. 
And I want you to be known by the joy and the peace that Jesus has offered you. And, and I, I know I, my mom tells me all the time I can be grumpy. I, I'm grumpy as well. But what are you known by? Because if you want to fight the battle that God is calling you to fight, then you need to be known by your banner, which is God. There's a banner over me, the song says, a banner over me. The banner over me is love. It is God, Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. How do you fight your battles? How do you fight your battles? Is the Lord your banner? If you were to go into battle right now, what would you be known by? What would they look at you and see? What would they think you represent the most? What would they think you're most passionate about? Is it the Lord? The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. I want to take you one last place tonight. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And we're going to turn to a man whose name was Gideon. If you know the Bible, then when you think of Gideon, you probably think of a military leader. You probably think of this guy that came in and conquered without ever really raising a sword and, or, or having to, to, to fight. This military leader, this judge, but this is the call of Gideon. And I want to show you who he was before God called him. This is for the season of your life where you are at war, where you feel like things are in turmoil, where things are not going your way, where you feel like there's no peace, where your home is not at rest, where your family is not settled, where your job doesn't seem like it's the way that it should be, where your church is getting on your last nerve, where you feel like you and God have never been more distant, and there's just no peace in your home. This is a season like this for Israel, and the Bible says it's because they were disobedient. Verse 11, chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, verse 11 the last name we'll consider tonight, the second to the last name, is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. It's probably the hardest one I've ever pronounced. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Here's Gideon, this mighty warrior we're introduced. He's just a guy. He's just a guy who's sitting, he's living at home, and he's beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon's role at this point is literally to, to take the wheat in the wine press and to, to take this grain and all this stuff and, and hide it from the Midianites so they can't get the harvest. It's a little bit of a cowardly act. It's almost saying, I don't think we're going to win, so I'm going to hide our goods. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Almighty oh, man of valor, you brave man, you hiding the grain, putting the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Oh, you, you man of valor. But you know what? God knows who you're going to be, not just who you are right now. Oh, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord Jehovah is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord, Jehovah, has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord, Jehovah, turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord Adonai, 
How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon says, God, listen, you call me a man of valor. You say that I have this this might, but I'm the, the least in my father's house. I'm the weakest And there's war all around us. And the the God that led Egypt, led the Israelites out of Egypt, where is he now? I just don't see it. There's turmoil all around us. How can I save Israel? Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. He says to to Gideon, you're going to take the Midianites out by yourself. The weakest of your father's house, I say you're a man of valor. I say you have might. You will take them out as one man. And he said to him, verse 17, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. Gideon says, God, if if it's really you, Jehovah, prove it. I need to know, is this really you that's speaking to me? I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm, there's all this lack of peace around me. So Gideon went into his house, verse 19, and prepared a young goat and 11 cakes from, a, from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. The angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. God said, Gideon, I'm going to be patient with you. If my word is not enough, then I will show you who I am. The fire consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes and Gideon, verse 22, perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Jehovah. And Gideon said, Alas, O Adonai, O Lord, Adonai, God, Elohim. For now I have seen the angel of the Lord, Jehovah, face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. God says, Gideon, you're about to go to war. As one man, you're going to take out the Midianites. But peace to you. I don't know about you, but if you're suiting up for, for battle, I, I not one day on the job, in fact, they told me not to do this, not one day on the job as a police officer that I put that vest on and put a firearm in my belt thinking I was going to peace. Just wasn't the thought. But God tells Midian, I'm going to send you out to battle. And one of the last things he says to him before he sends him out is peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Church, I want to tell you tonight in this last name, it is Jehovah Shalom. I want to tell you that God is your peace, not because you're going to not experience turmoil or disaster or famine or death or sickness, not because you're not going to go through bad things, but because God is your peace in those things. He says to Gideon, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there and the Lord Jehovah called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. The Lord is peace. I hope you know that tonight. See, when I look around, even in my own life, where's the peace? Where's the peace and the joy? Where's that, that calm feeling knowing that I could go to work tomorrow and everyone scream at me? 
My child could be sick and customers and bosses and other folks at the job alike holler at me all day. I could get home and have folks with road rage all around me. Someone I love could be dying. I could be going into literal war. But because Jehovah Shalom, I am at peace. I am at peace. Gideon went into battle literally knowing he, he said it. He, he made the altar. Before Gideon ever experienced what God was about to do, Gideon said, God, you are peace. Jehovah Shalom, this is who you are. I will know you as my peace in the storm. I will know you. It doesn't matter what I'm about to face. God, you don't have to show me the enemy. They could be 10 or 3,000. I don't care. You are my peace. And because I have seen you and I have spoke to you and you have shown me who you are and you have made your promise to me, God, I know that I know that I know that nothing will take my peace away. Jehovah Shalom, it is who you are. I will know you as God, my peace. And I want to tell you tonight, church, you can have that peace in your heart, but I can't give it to you. And I will ask you and ask you honestly if the, if the peace is not in your heart tonight. Go home, be as bold as Gideon to say, God, I need you to, to show up. I need you to light a flame right here in this room, and I, I need you to let me know I've got peace in my heart. Through Jesus Christ, God said you can have assurance that you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. You don't have to wonder if you are saved. You don't have to wonder if you're a child of God. You don't have to wonder if you have eternity. You can know that you know that you know Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can know this. Church, I, I want to close with this. I want to thank you for taking that journey with me through Scripture. I, I wanted you to, the, the Word of God speaks more powerfully than anything I'm ever going to say. I believe we could have just read these names straight from the Word of God, and it would have been enough. But I wanted you to take that journey with me so we could end here. I told you at the beginning that these names are not just so you can pray them back to God, but because God wants to experience Life with you and for you to experience God's presence in your life. It's experiential. And I told you that the best way we can know that is that God sent his son to walk this earth. He became like us. The word became flesh. What I want to close tonight with is with this church. What is unveiled over the years for the people of Israel Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom. All these things, what has been unveiled to Israel has been made even more clear to you tonight. We read it in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, when the word of God says, And behold, you will conceive, speaking to Mary, in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, if you were to read this in Hebrew, Jehovah, Yahweh, saves. I tell you that all these things can be yours. Not the same way that Israel had them. You're, you're not Israel. You're the new Israel. You've been branched in. You've been grafted into the vine. You've been welcomed into the family of God. But you experience this differently. You see, you don't have to know these individual names necessarily. Because in one name, 
The power of that name in one name, the name of Yeshua. Yahweh saves, Jehovah saves, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you can experience all of these things. He can be your healer, your provider, your banner, your peace. Everything to you in the name of Jesus. God has made himself known and you can have that relationship. You can have that experience. You can know that there's peace in your heart. You cannot wonder where provision is going to come from. You can know that you serve a healing God. You can know that you go into battle with God on your side all because of one single name. The name of Jesus. It is the reason that we sing there is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I think what I, I need tonight and right now and every day of my life is that name needs to be lifted higher and mine needs to go lower. And I need to be crying out more, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Who do I want you to know about is Jesus. Do I want you to know me? Sure. Should we be friends? I hope so. But I just want you to know Jesus because that's the answer to every single problem you have in your life. Y'all think I'm messing with you. When you come to me and you say, I got a question, what do I say? Jesus is the answer. Every time, I'm not joking. And sometimes you look at me and say, yeah, not this time. No. Every time. Every time. I'm concerned. I, I, you know, I, I talked to somebody the other day, and they, it was a, a, a wonderful woman of God, and she's just constantly, she's one of those people that every, every sentence, everything she says, every conversation, if you talk to her, she is constantly talking about Jesus. And do you know she felt the need one time recently to apologize to me? She said, I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody, everybody thinks I'm a, I'm a crazy lady because all I want to talk about is Jesus. You know what I thought? No, you get it. You get it. You know what that name means. There are thousands. I'm not sure. You know what it means, Jesus, that we would say that name with awe in our voice and wonder in our hearts and, and with joy and, and that the very mention of Yahweh saves. Think about what that means. Jesus came because the truth is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, all these names, Jehovah Rapha. The, the truth is you wouldn't be able to experience them without Jesus. Jehovah saves. You were separated from this. You had no access to this. I could not stand here and preach tonight that God is these things in your life if it weren't for Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? There's no program, no wonderful music. We are blessed. We are some wonderful worship tonight. There's no preacher, no worship, no program, nothing. It would all be pointless if it wasn't for Jesus. Amen. I don't want you to get to me. I want you to get to Jesus. I don't want you to, I love this church. I'm thankful for it. I don't want you to just be here for this church. I want to get you to Jesus. I don't care where you go. Just know what that name means for, for goodness sake. Hear me tonight. Know what the name means in your life. Cry out to him is not just something you do. It shouldn't hold the same value as when you talk about anyone else in your life. It, it shouldn't just be a name. And I'm afraid. I know you think I'm crazy. I'm afraid it's becoming that. That we can mention the name of Jesus and it not leave us in awe and in wonder that we can say the name of Jesus and it not hold significant power in my life. If I can say Jesus' name without it meaning something to me, I have lost the plot. 
Jesus saves. Oh, oh, praise God that he saved me. I don't ever want to wake up and that lose its meaning. I was, I was lost and I was damned and I was blind and I was broken and I was totally removed from all of these things. I had no peace. I had no way to fight my battles. I had no, no provision other than what God had given me in his grace before Jesus. I had none of these things, but because Yeshua entered my life, I can know all of them and so much more. Every name, thousands of names God has given us in his word, every single one became true to me in Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Do you know that for yourself? Do you know that you know that you know that Yahweh saves tonight? And he's done it through one name, the name of Jesus, the word become flesh who came to this earth, walked, ate, breathed, cried, got sick like the rest of us and died on that cross for your brokenness, that you would enter into relationship with Jehovah and rose from that grave so you could know the power of that name. God is our provider. God is our healer. God is our banner. God is our peace. God is our refuge, God is our strong tower, God is our salvation, God is our sanctification, all through that name. And I just want to lift it up tonight. If nothing else happens tonight, even in this last hymn as we pray together, please give glory to that name. Live in a way that's honoring to it. And for goodness sake, if you've made covenant with that name, if you've known the name of Jesus, live like it, share it. There is power in that name. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are Elohim, our strong creator, and you are Jehovah. I am that I am. We claim you as Adonai. God, I pray that each person in the room tonight, Lord, whatever season in their life that they needed to hear, I pray that they would know the power of your name and that the same way that you walked and talked and cared for your people in the Old Testament, you continue to do those things and be those things for us today. God, for those tonight that are in need of provision, please provide for them in Jesus' name. For those tonight that are in need of healing, we ask for healing in your name. For those that are fighting battles and feel like they just can't win, please God, be their banner. And for those tonight that have no peace in their hearts, Jehovah Shalom, give them peace. Give them peace. But most of all, God, we thank you that you are Yeshua. Jesus, save us. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you that Yahweh saves. We love you, God. Amen.